You're listening to Hawks Insiders, the home of all things brown and gold on the internet. Subscribe to our Substack for more Hawks coverage. Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome to Hawks Insiders, your Thursday night safe space. It is the intra-club game in the books and we are week one week away from uh, the first, what they call a match sim against Geelong at uh, the old Cadenia Park on this time next week. We'll, uh, we're going to try and work out what a match sim is against another team before we get to, to the end of tonight's space. Thanks everyone for joining us as you always do and thanks for your support once again of Hawks Insiders. $5 a month, $50 a year for great Hawthorne content. But let's get into it. I'm joined by uh, a couple of co-hosts this evening saying hello firstly to Darren Levine. Hello, Darren. Hi, Ash, and hi, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the um, tunes that I have been making for, for the start of this Twitter Spaces. Uh, we love it. We're releasing it on a 12-inch single extended mix <laughs> before too long. Danny Prince, you're in the driver's seat tonight. Hello. Ash, good to be here. And yeah, apologies, guys. I couldn't work out how to make the music stop until I unmuted myself and it did it immediately. So there you go. Now we know. We know for next time. How long did it take you to drive from the, the wilds of Latrobe out to your uh, place in the far southeast of Melbourne? Yeah, it was a tick over an hour, which was not bad, but uh, it's a fair hike. Uh, but it was still worth getting out there last night. It was a good night. And uh, yeah, some some reasonable uh, reasonable football, but I'm sure we'll talk about that uh, later on in the evening. We'll get to it very shortly. In fact, it's number one on the uh, running sheet. And hello, Brad Klebanski. Hello, all. Good evening. Four weeks to go. Four weeks from tonight before it's finally here. Four weeks tonight. There will be a squad for the Essendon game circulating. Of course, once the season starts with the Thursday night games, we'll be moving to Wednesday nights for a few weeks while there is Thursday night footy. Um, as always, let's make this as wide range of conversation as possible. So if you want to contribute to anything that we're talking about over the next hour, we'll be out of here by 9.30. Um, please, um, please just raise your hand to speak. We'll get to it as soon as possible. And I should say a special welcome also to those listening, not on the Spaces Live, but uh, through the podcast as we turn this around as well. We know a lot of people don't consume the Spaces Live, but... Uh, catch up as soon as they can so welcome to all you people as well okay so last night at uh latrobe university the tony sheen oval not named for the famous two phones tony sheen son of mike um it was a big win i think it into the gold team over the brown team in the hawthorne intra-club game for 2023 just to paint the picture before I sort of go through a bit with Danny. Uh, so for the first half was probables v possibles, the probables in gold and the possibles in uh, the brown top and brown shorts. Then there was a mass changing of teams at half time to make it a much more even competition. And then by three-quarter time, there was a lot of switching around again. So I'm not sure how many players would have played the entire evening in the same jumper and the same shorts, Danny. And I'm also not sure whether the place more saw in what we saw in the first half or what we saw after halftime when things were mixed up and there are actually some interesting battles taking place between players that fighting for spot or already in the team. But let's go through it. Uh, certainly from what we saw from the first half, Danny. Um, what took your eye from that first 50 minutes or so of footy? Uh, it was clearly uh, probables versus possibles. And I think that, um, you know, seeing Jack Scrimshaw in the possibles in the brown um, jerseys was the first thing that caught my eye as the teams ran out. I thought that was quite interesting, whether it was just they wanted a little bit of a senior head down back or something like that. Um, yeah, there I just was a theory, that... Dad, sorry to interrupt. There was a theory online today that had they just loaded the entire team up of gold with the first-choice players, it would have been far too easy for the uh, for the gold team to pick apart the inexperienced Brown back line. And they needed one or two experienced you know, players with a bit under their belt, which is why uh, Swimshaw and DGB in particular were playing down back for the Brown team. 
Well, I mean, that makes a little bit of sense because, um, you know, they they got – if it wasn't for some poor kicking for goal, they got carved up anyway in that first half. So um, it, the floodgates would have well and truly been opened if those two also didn't play for the Brown team. Um, what I did think, and I, I might have tweeted it or spoken about it after the game, Ash, was – that um, the the Brown team, actually, the uh, the Possibles, held their own in the stoppages, um, led really well by Cam McKenzie, Henry Huthswaite, Cooper Stevens until he got a uh, slight concussion. Um, they really served it to uh, the regulars um, in the middle. It was when they got forward of centre, um, the, the, the Probables got, you know, would win the ball off the halfback flank and spread really well. And uh, probably the most exciting part of the game was just the run and the hard work and the ball use of Dylan Moore, Will Day, Josh Ward, Connor McDonald and Jai Newcomb. I think that those five really showed what our what what it, the exciting nature of what our midfield could look like in, in you know, or obviously next year, but when they're um, you know, really seasoned AFL players for the younger ones, especially uh, what it could look like in a few years' time. So that was probably my biggest takeaway from the uh, from the first half. Dylan Moore looked really sharp, didn't he? All night, and whether it was in the middle, um, winning winning a hard ball, getting it on the wing, uh, or kicking goals, I think he kicked three for the night. He looked really good, real like AFL season ready. Where did you think Will Day spent uh, most of his time playing? I think initially he played through the middle uh, and then he, late in the game, maybe the third, halfway through the third and into the fourth and fifth, he played a little bit off halfback as well. But uh, he definitely played in the middle and around the wing a little bit. Um, it was good to see his ball use through the middle of the park. Um, and, yeah, I thought it was a really nice start to his life as a potential sort of full-time midfielder. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him against the opposition uh, against Geelong in the match sim next week. And John Newcomb, a bit like, I, I don't think John Newcomb was going 100%. I just don't think, uh, you know, he seemed to impose himself on the, on the game when he wanted to. A um, couple of beautiful kicks again, as we've become accustomed to seeing him off one step. How uh, did you, how did you rate his game? Yeah, I think he, I think he cruised around a bit like um, Carl Amon, obviously very different players, but they both sort of just went through the gears and then there were moments where they really stepped it up, um, won a hard ball or, you know, um, in, Amon, in Amon's case, he, he was in a, a chain of possessions two or three times with hard work and beautiful foot skills. And look, Jai did what he needed to do without having to exert himself too much, I think. And um, yeah, he... Uh, he was clearly the best of the real inside midfielders. And um, I think if you look at the difference between, say, where Newcomb is now and where Warple is right now, they both got their hands on the footy a fair bit in tight uh, and breaking away from the stoppages. Jai used it so well. And um, the one knock on Warple last night was that his disposal and his decision-making uh, coming out of the contest wasn't very good at all. Yeah, it's very easy to get uh, too carried away with what you see in the intra-club practice game. It certainly... Um, people who are there saying that Warple's role has just got to be get the ball out from a contest and then give it to the bloke so he can actually use it. Yeah, when, get he goes, by hands. when he gets space and when he goes forward, it's, that's when he lets himself down with taking the wrong option or uh, just not finding it, not hitting a target as he should. But his he, his value is just getting a first touch and then and giving it to someone to to to, to then use it better. Absolutely, I think if he can get first hands on the on the pill in the contest, give it out to the the Moors, the Days, the Wards, uh, and the McDonalds and players like that. I think then then there's some value for him there. If not, and he's the, he's wanting to be the one on the receiving end of that first ball out, I don't see a spot for him in this team. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how it goes the next few weeks. We just don't have a lot of seasoned bodies in that midfield group, so he's going to get opportunity. It's just a matter of whether he can take it or not. Brad, are you guys saying are you guys saying that uh, Warple's the new Tom Mitchell? I think there's a role for him to play that Mitchell role without the accumulator type role that Mitchell plays. But that first hands on the footy, win the ball, the extractor role, effectively the one that Sam Mitchell played so so well. Um, now I'm not comparing the two, um, but that that first hands on the footy role is what we need Warple to play. I think. 
Brad. Can't hear Brad. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah. Small forward. There's a position up for grabs. Uh, all uh, reports I saw and heard had but, uh, Butler and Brockman showed pretty good signs. There's only room for one of them in the team. Who do you think will get that role? I couldn't work it out based on what we saw yesterday. I thought Butler showed some nice touches. In fact, Danny and I were actually, because we watched the game together, we thought, uh, gee, Brockman hasn't done much. And then Brockman started to work his way into it as well. So I think that contest is too early to call at this stage. What do you think, Danny? Yeah, spot on. Look, um, probably Butler's ahead just because he's played more football in recent times. We've got to remember that Brockman's coming off a shoulder reconstruction, hasn't played footy for, you know, 15 months. But um, when he did get it, and it wasn't a lot early because the, the team he was playing in was getting um, getting hammered, but when he did get it and when the teams were mixed up, he looked so classy with the ball in his hands. You can see there's elite talent there. There's real skill. Um, he just doesn't have the match conditioning yet to find it as much as he needs to. So, uh, you know, if we had to, you know, if we had to choose right now, you'd be choosing Butler based on his conditioning and his uh, ability to impact over a long period of time. But um, that could change in the next three weeks, Brad. So, it's yeah, as Ash said, it's all up in the air. Yeah, you put a line through Brockman for round one. Brockman um, will have to play several weeks, I think, at Box Hill to get used to playing footy again. But there, are, there is talent there. You could see it on display um, in the game. Last, I read something interesting online today about Brockman that apparently he... His mum was at the game last night. His mum's actually flown over to help out with the kids for a while. Apparently, she was telling people at the footy that he signed a two-year deal, um, that he's committed to the club for the next two years, and that he's really determined to, to make a go of it. And things like he's bringing his mum across to help look after their infant twins would suggest that uh, the club you know, really wants to do what it can to support him to, uh, to, to give footy his best shot for the next couple of years, realising that they've got a talent on their hands. So that's just a little aside. Cosy kicked one goal, 27 or something like that, uh, Daddy. He uh, got his head a couple of nights. Cosy were used to a couple of nice, you know, a couple of times the lead. He looked beautiful, found some space and got the ball. And one or two contested marks, but the kick he sort of left a bit to be desired. Yeah, and look, I'm choosing to be the optimist on this one. I thought his presentation to the football, I thought his um, forward craft, his ability to mark the footy was very good. Um, when he didn't mark it, he brought it to ground. And I think that that's a thing because he does well, is he that um, forward defensive work for a big man he's very good at. Obviously, I think he kicked one six and maybe one out on the full. So he left his shooting boots in the car park. Um, but he, I thought if you take away the poor, poor kicking for goal, um, I thought he was very good. Yeah, I thought he had a big impact um, in the team that he played in. And you, that's the sort of thing you want. And I yeah, think we've, have we lost you, Ash? I think Ash has popped off, Quincy. I've got one for you. The Ruck Battle, Meek and Reeves. Yep. Um, just, uh, <laughs> Is that there. okay? Should we check on you? I don't know what happened there. I have no idea. But, yeah, look, the Ruck Battle was very interesting. It was, um, it was Meek and Reeves against Lynch and Ramsden. I think all four Rucks showed a little bit of, uh, of something um, throughout the day. Um, I think clearly Meek and Reeves are, are one and two. And I think it worked really well having the, uh, the, the resting ruck was, was just too much for the Browns' defence to handle. Um, you know, Meek kicked a, a goal, Reeves kicked a goal. They also created goals for others. Um, you know, and look, that, that's, a, that's a big unit of, uh, of two guys who can really move around um, can really uh, get around the ground. Meek moves more like a, just a large, large human being than, than a Ruckman. He's, he's seems very, he doesn't seem robotic in the way that, you know, Reeves with his extra, you know, five to 10 centimetres he has, um, seems a little bit sort of immobile. Um, I, I thought Meek was, Meek was really impressive. And I, and I think probably Reeves picked him in the Ruck contest, which is what you'd probably expect. I think Reeves was our number one tap ruckman throughout the day. So, and there was one beautiful passage of play, which is how the Hawks would have drawn it up. 
won by a couple of our midfielders dished out to Ned Reeves on the run to deliver into the forward 50. So um, probably want those roles reversed, but um, it was good to see Reeves get a bit more of the ball around the ground, which is probably probably the one knock is his second and third efforts. Now, one one for the dream teamers and the super coaches out there, the youngsters, your McKenzie's, your Weddles, your Husswaites, how did they all go? I, uh, I actually think that every one of our draftees um, was impressive in different ways. I think, uh, I think McKenzie, first and foremost, you can see he was the first pick. He was really impressive and just looked like he belonged from the start, um, giving me shades of uh, Josh Ward, shades of Connor McDonald. I think he'll play the vast majority of the games um, in, you know, in, in, the, in the AFL system this year. Um, used the ball really well. Uh, he was on the on the Brown team to start and um, and couldn't probably didn't have enough targets to hit. But in if he was in the in the other side, would have hit them um, because uh, his disposal was beautiful. I think he's he's uh, probably a lock to be the first debutant for the year um, outside of the older recruits that we brought in. Um, Really liked Henry Husswaite's game, and Ash will say the same thing as well um, if he ever gets back in the space. He was very, very clean. And we know that his uh, inside work, his contested ball and his hands in the contest are his strengths. And he showed that last last night um, on numerous occasions. There was a little period uh, early in the game where both he and McKenzie were working in a pack of about four gold shirts and they managed to you know, with a bit of a one-two, work their way out of it. And it was really impressive. I think it's on the highlights package that the Hawks have put out um, under one of Hasway's highlights. And look, when, when he learns to um, use the ball well out of the contest by foot, I think there's a player there, absolutely. Weddle was a little bit slower to get into the game. He didn't have much of it early. Again, probably a victim of the team that he was playing on. But he warmed into it and he did some really exciting things late in the, in the contest. I think seeing the pace and the power, his ability to take players on, um, he took off and played on from a mark two or three times in the last uh, couple of quarters and uh, just used his pace, his run, his carry and, and kicked it long. Uh, there was a couple of nice little sidesteps there and I think he gave everybody that was watching a little bit to get excited about. Um, I really enjoyed... Uh, Jack O'Sullivan's game, I thought he was really surprising. He took a couple of good marks, kicked a couple of goals, um, and, yeah, did a, did a couple of really good things. He um, nailed Will Day in a tackle from behind, coming off the um, forward 50 from a, from a stoppage. Um, and, yeah, it was really, really busy and industrious, and I think he'll, um, he'll go well at Box Hill. And Bailey McDonald was super impressive in limited exposure. He didn't get a lot of the footy, but when he did, he has jets he just took off and tried to use that didn't always work but he tried to use that speed um, off the half back flank uh, and really try to create some drive for his team um, sometimes bit off a bit more than he could chew with the disposals whether it was an errant handball, handball or a turnover kick but um, you just like to see young players take the game on and he, he definitely wasn't afraid to do that and even Josh Bennett's um, had a couple of nice moments maybe not as involved as others but there was a few things that he did that you just thought, oh, uh, there's not many players in our, on our list that can do that. Um, so, yeah, there was moments from everybody, which is good. Um, DGV, a lot of talk about him being on the angry pills and obviously the footage came out. Um, I know Brad and I have a pretty similar opinion on, on DGV and what he's got to do this year, but um, I don't think you minded it too much from, from your uh, match report, Prinzi. No, I didn't mind it. Look, he, he had a tough ask because he and Scrimshaw uh, were the key defenders in inverted commas um, playing up against the team with, you know, our tallest and best uh, key forwards. So um, it was he was always up against it. And, look, he played a little bit on um, the rest. He played mainly on the resting ruck and then a bit on um, Fergus Green, who caught him on the lead a couple of times. But I don't think that's a um, condemnation of, of DGB either. Fergus Green's a very crafty forward for anybody that, that's watched Box Hill. He knows how to find space in a telephone box. Um, 
the the angry pills thing was a really much to do about nothing. It was halftime siren. Connor McDonald marked the ball, and it just looked like Denver tried to make him earn it um, right on the siren. And there was just a little bit of handbags. It was nothing much, and he didn't look too angry or anything like that. Just probably trying a little bit too hard to insert himself and insert himself on the contest so um yeah look i wasn't unhappy with denver but you know it would it would be nice to see him in the like the a team um defensive unit where he can not have to take on the first responsibility of the of the main key tool so um you know if he's the second or the third key tool i think that's going to suit him a lot better yeah, uh, I know we're going to go through my rolling best 23 a little later on, but at the moment, unfortunately, I don't have him in my team. I think you can only play two of Blank, Frost and uh, DGB. And by all uh, reports, Frost actually had a pretty good game and was obviously uh, named in the uh, probable side to start with. So I think Frost and Blank will get first crack against uh, Peter Wright and uh, Jake Stringer round one. Yeah, obviously there's a uh, there's a there's a lot of water to go under the bridge, um, you know, with the two practice matches. So it'd be really interesting to see where they go from here in the lead up to next week. Um, you know, the the AFL side have a, um, a a game against the Geelong Cats first up, and then the VFL side are playing the Geelong VFL side after that. So um, players are going to get a game no matter where it is. But it'll be really interesting to see who they pick for both. Um, for both of the uh, of those games and who gets first crack, um, so yeah, I think look, there's a there's a there's a lot to like. There's still a lot of question marks in that in that twenty three, Brad, and um, yeah, it's going to be the next two weeks are going to play a large part in forming maybe the last five or six places in Sam Mitchell's team. I think. Speaking of Sam Mitchell, uh, pretty interesting interview that went up on the AFL website today. Um, Brad, yeah, what did what did you make of that one? Oh, uh, brilliant. As I've said, yeah, uh, all along when Sam started, we know he's the right person up for the job. But every time you see footage of Sam, you hear him speak, he's interviewed, he just comes across as just an unbelievable uh, coach. And I just think the, the players, you can just all tell all of them love him, uh, they respect him. He's going to be a hard uh, coach. He's got a little bit of, uh, arrogance, but not in a bad way. He's, you know, tough. Um, and I think he's the, as I've always said since he started, he's the exact person and coach to lead us going forward. I think he's brilliant. I think he's, you know, similar to uh, McRae at Collingwood uh, last year. I'm not saying Hawthorne are going to finish in the top four. Collingwood went from 17th to fourth, and we know they won about, you know, eight or nine games by less than 10 points last year. But I think the respect is there and I think he's the one, you know, he's definitely going to get a chance, hopefully, to lead us to Premiership glory in the next probably four or five years. Yeah, I think, um, I guess what really struck me is there's a very, very clear plan in place, um, just at all at all levels of the club, really, from list management to the way, you know, they're looking at free agency um, and 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 how they're kind of building a list with with strategy and I don't know I, I just I just took a lot of confidence from that interview I don't know how you felt about a Prinzium probably sure the same yeah absolutely I think you just see every time Mitchell he's so impressive to listen to uh, every time Mitchell speaks he speaks clearly he speaks thoughtfully he speaks. Um, you know, really, you really hear and feel that this is a long-term project. That's a long-term strategy is involved with getting the right people in around him, getting the right players into the system. You know that these aren't knee-jerk reactions, um, but that the club's also able to pivot when they see an opportunity. So, um, the you know the chat with um, with Cal Toomey, he talked about um, Jager O'Meara. Um, and the trade that unlocked Meek and Stevens and the draft pick coming over to the Hawks, which enabled them to pick up Josh Weddle. So, you know, they're not going to be hard and fast on what they're doing. They're also going to be able to be fluid when they need to be and pivot when they need to. And I think that just speaks of Mitchell and just how impressive he is as an operator and that he's got good people around him.
think we've got Ash back, I'm back. on the line. there, Ash. Dressed up as Jess Fox, so uh, I'm not quite <laughs> sure what happened. My uh, I, I actually did run a few Twitter feeds off my phone. I don't know what happened with my. Uh, you might have been hacked. I've out. been hacked, I reckon, by somebody. Probably Elon Musk. Some, or some nasty Essendon supporter. Sam Landsberger. Sam, right, Sam Landsberger <laughs> hacked me. That's right. So uh, sorry about that, everybody. It's uh, not quite sure what happened there. Um, so back to so ticked off the practice match. Ticked off Sam Mitchell. Um, bit of news for the Hawks. They were probably hoping to get to uh, Waverley as soon as this um, practice match was over yesterday. I'm told it is still three weeks away um, from at least from getting back onto the ground out at Waverley. So they've got three more weeks commute. Not sure who saw the video with Connor McDonald on the club website, but uh, the day in the life of But it's a very, very long a day for these players. He was he started filming at about uh, six six thirty in the morning. It was probably six p.m. before he even got home for the day. So it's a very long day, punctuated by a, a forty-five minute to an hour drive each way to a trade union, union on the day that we've got heavy football content. So that is causing a challenge for them as well. As Peter Burge explained on with his interview with us, a Hawthorne High Performance Manager, in the podcast that we highly recommend you listen to. Um, it's uh, adding an extra dimension to their conditioning because they train, they get in the car, drive for nearly an hour, come back to the club, they're going to have a swim and uh, and uh, get themselves ready to go for an afternoon session. So it's it does complicate things for a young group. What did you make of the interview, uh, Danny? You're on it, Andrew. Uh, so Darren, you're on it as well. What did you make of our chat with Peter Birch? Yeah, I think um, I mean he's obviously got incredible credentials. Spent a lot, you know, part of that winning culture there at Richmond. And I think I really loved hearing how he's adapted the program um, just to suit the the young list that we have. And he's the, he's the right level of experience to to kind of to, 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 to build this list at, at, at the, the, the pace that the Hawks want to do it. They're not in a rush. They've got a long-term view that, that aligns with where Sam Mitchell's heads at and... Yeah, I think it was super impressive. I mean, just hearing as well that, you know, he had to, like, tell Josh Ward and Ned Long, um, who he described as an absolute animal in training, to, to tone it down. I think that was that was a really interesting insight into how they're tackling this preseason. Yeah, I thought it was uh, so many positives out of it. Clearly very happy um, to be back at the football club with a, a very measured program. I thought he's, uh, he, and he sort of explained the reason as to why we didn't see Chad Wingard play in the intra-club game. Uh, Chad's been doing everything that they wanted to do since uh, he'd been running for eight weeks when Burge had joined the club, which is uh, sort of late October, early November. But as of yesterday, he was still in what they call a training block. Uh, he, has, he has taken part in some match sim and has apparently looked really good. But the training block ends now. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago to Milan Space. The approach of Chad Wingard, I think they want to get him out there for both the Geelong game on uh, Thursday and the Collingwood game the following Thursday after that. So I thought that was uh, an interesting conversation as well. But I think he's clearly relishing just being able to sort of roll his sleeves up and, 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 and get, the, get the young guys going and mould them and turn them into, turn into, into, into AFL footballers, uh, Danny. Yeah, that was probably the biggest takeaway for me too, Ash. I taken aback about how excited he was to build the foundations of a of a you know hopefully premiership list, um, and he he obviously did that at Richmond, and um, he did that previously at Hawthorne and set up the three pet era Hawks, but then wasn't there for that success. Um, so you know, being able to come in and have effectively a clean slate with so many young guys, I think. That's really uh, energised him, as you said. And um, I, look, I wouldn't be surprised if he's recruited the off season. To be honest, I think um, some of the things he said. If you if people haven't listened to that that podcast, that I can't recommend that highly enough. He's he's so incredibly impressive and um, and really open with his information sharing and and um, providing insights into individual players. And I think. Um, you know, he's going to do some amazing things with some of these guys. And the, the, the probably the most exciting thing for me that came out of it was just how um, 
caught off guard he was with how athletic the Hawthorne list is. And he was really clear to say that the Hawks' um, current list is probably more athletic than any list he's worked with. So that's probably a sign of changing times in the AFL, but also a sign of the athletes that the Hawks have recruited in the last few years, which is really, really exciting. Um, yeah, it's... Uh... Was, was did someone did say to us last night uh, at the game? Did they, Danny, that he, of all the recruits Hawthorne's had in the uh, over the summer, he might be the most important uh, recruit of all? Patrick, good evening. Got a question for us? I was just going to say it'd be interesting if the grounds only still three weeks away. What they do with the open training on the twenty sixth? Do they move it to Bondura, or does the board see it as a chance to get back to Glenfrey? Not that I've been there, so I wouldn't know what state it's in, but. Would be interesting. I would say if I was a betting man, I would say they might do that one at Monash, where they've also been trained. They go to Monash for light touch sessions, not full, full on match sessions and uh, and match sim. But they've been doing some stuff at Monash University. So if uh, they were, couldn't do it there, they if they, if they don't do it away there at Monash, they could also do it at Monash. They could do it away there, just not train. They could actually do activities, and I think. Most people seem to think they'll announce the captaincy that day as well, so in the leadership group. So there's this various events you could do without the actual training as such. So I would, I don't think that they will make people go to Bundora um, to do that. It was a, you know, what do you think the crowd was last night, Danny? But probably more than two or three hundred. Yeah, I was going to say three or four. So yeah, we're around the same mark. I think you know there's quite a few people there, but I think there would have been over five hundred if it was at, um, you know, if it was at Waverley. Um, it was just a little bit tricky to get to for a lot of people. Um, I'm sure it was great for the people that live in those that surrounding area, but um, it was tough for the people out because there's no real direct way to get to Bundura. That's the problem. It was just lots of uh, side streets and two-lane roads all the way from the south to north. Andrew, Ned Reeves has re-signed till 2026. Your neighbour, although you said he might not be your neighbour for much longer, uh, not a very good outcome for the footy club. Yeah, g'day, Ash and everyone. Apologies for the delay jumping in. Yeah, great outcome. And uh, we saw yesterday that um, that Reeves and Lloyd Meek made a really good combination. And, and you mentioned in your observations, Ash, you know, that having those two together with Lynch, we went through matches throughout last season where we had zero recognised Ruckman. So... All of a sudden, that should make a significant difference. Um, Did anybody answer my homework from last week about how many games Hawthorne won last year with recognised Ruckman as opposed to non-recognised Ruckman? Uh, I didn't do that, but I imagine it's not many. McAvoy yeah, played yeah, play in, I think, five of our wins. Uh, McAvoy played in five of our wins. So there you go. Five of eight. So uh, I think that... um. Peter Burge also mentioned um, in that pod that you guys did about his development uh, over the off-season and and how well he's trained and come along. So, um, you know, Brad's been pretty strong on um, Meek being the clear number one ruck in the team, then swapping with Reeves. And um, it sounds like it's maybe not, they're not that far apart, but as a one-two combination, having him sign long-term is really, really exciting. And uh, hopefully hopefully the Felice sign out the front of his house, um, yeah, he's just moving around the corner maybe. Well, I think on that contract, he might be buying now instead of leasing. <laughs> maybe. The, maybe uh, that's what it is. That's probably the thing. And who lives in John Newcomb? Is that right? Newcomb and Lockie Bramble. Three of them live together. Right, well, uh, I, I get that, uh, I, I get daily reports. <laughs> I get daily reports from Ethan, who you know walks past the place to and from school. So, uh, not not stalking too much. Just around the corner from where uh, Buddy and Josh Gibson in their day used to live together. Uh, so you know, it's a nice area. The famous street where Buddy uh, decided to hoon his car at hundred k's. 120 k's down the street, and that, with the cops, it tipped off with cops in waiting for him, and that is reportedly one of the two or three reasons why he decided he'd had enough of living in Melbourne. It was time to move. 
to Sydney. One of the great pleasures for Danny and I last night was to watch part of the Intercop game with the great Dave from uh, Wallen or Ballon. Where, where are you from, David? But Wallen. It was really good to meet you. Nice Wallen. to meet you, Dave boys. Wallen, it was great to meet you and watch some of the game with you and uh, hear some of your your uh, your keen thoughts on the football club. Good to talk to you, mate. You got a question for us? No, no, a statement. I've actually sat down and worked that out. What you're saying? We had 16 games with a with one or no ruckman, and we and we had two ruckmen in six games. We won five and lost one, and the last, that was the last one against the Bulldogs. And we won three with one or no ruckman and lost 13. So that gives you a bit of insight into one reason why they think they might uh, they're a bit more bullish on things than. Uh, Others are because they they, they feel they played uh, almost one hand behind their back in games last year without a recognised ruckman. So if they can just go at uh, go at a game with two recognised ruckman, and I think they're going to play two uh, for uh, most games this year, they think they'll be better. Even if they've lost a couple of names out of the midfield, they seem to think they might go a bit better by having a couple of rucks. Certainly, you look at Hawthorne last night. Uh, Danny, you'd have more of an idea how they're going to play their two recognised ruckers than we do Melbourne with uh, uh, Grundy and, uh, and Gorn. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, Grundy and Gorn just being dominant first rucks that are used to rucking full games, I think that, you know, that's a that's a headache for Melbourne that they have to, have to solve. Um, I don't think Reeves has the tank yet to play out full games, so the chop out that he'll get being able to go forward and plonk himself in the square and just be a giant, giant human being and a target for our smalls to work off is is going to give us something, a point of difference. So, um, I, you know, look, I'm really excited to see how the relationship between Meek and Reeves goes in the first half of the year, especially especially with Mitch Lewis out. Um, you know, they're missing a, a tall target there, so it allows that big ruckman to be able to be the focal point for long long kicks uh, into the forward fifty. So. Um, hopefully we don't rely on that, but um, it's a good get out of jail option uh, if we need it. Um, and Max Lynch wasn't terrible last night, by the way. Max Lynch uh, quit himself quite well, so and he also took a couple of uh, marks up forward. So don't totally discount him from the race to be in the side for round one either. It's quite a long time since we've had such ruck selection headaches at Hawthorne, and uh, if you've got that uh, sort of thing happening with your, your your tall timber, you're in a you're not in a bad place for footy club heading into the season. Now, Ash, the teachers, yes. can I just ask, um, from what you saw last night, has there been a lot of talk since Lewis has had the injury of Lynch playing solely as a permanent forward? And when you did your starting 22 for SEN, it was a very, very, very small forward line. Do you think there's any chance at all round one that all three of them could be playing in the team? No, I don't think so. But when I picked that team as well, I had uh, who did I have at reason the bench. So I was playing, and, and it, it might turn out they might rotate through the forward line. I just picked a team, but it wasn't necessarily the team in starting position. It was just a twenty-three. But I think that um, I think they, I can't see them playing all three. I think it'll make them a bit, um, a little bit top-heavy. But look, if Kaziski was to go down, I mean, do you have faith in in if uh, in in Jacka being your, your tall forward, or do you uh, then go for Mitchell Reeves? Play permanent forward. I think that certainly becomes an option. Uh, Brenton, hello. You got a question for us, Brenton? Brenton, switch your mic on. Sorry, boys. Is that better? Yes. Hello. Yeah, it's good you? to meet you last night, boys. Um, yeah, good to meet you as well, mate. Yeah, I just one thing just on the rocks. One that actually impressed me a little bit. Had a bit of the Tim O'Brien's about him, but for someone so young, um, who's the guy we we got in mid-season last year? Max Ramsden. Max Ramsden. He actually led to some really good spots. Like I was pretty surprised because I've always thought with him that the knock was that he wasn't a footballer, but it actually looked like he didn't have a footballer's brain, but he actually led to some really good spots. And I'm like, well, something to work on for centre-half forward there. Like if you can start clunking him, um, there, there's something there. Yeah, yeah I'm going to jump in here. Go on. Sorry. I'll jump in here, Ash. We actually um, we, we had a conversation with Ed Seal a while back where he talked about how impressive Ramston was at Box Hill in the back half of last season. 
And um, he he is just so mobile, like streets more mobile than the other ruckman we have on our list. He's kind of like a tall midfielder. Um, and his ability to get around the ground and go to the right spots, like you said, Brenton, was really, uh, really impressive. And I just think he needs time and he just needs football at senior like at a, at a senior level. So VF, time in VFL, he's going he's gonna to develop into that forward ruck, not ruck forward, that um, Hawks have been looking for since David Hale retired, I reckon. And look, he'll be a different player to Hale because Hale was a lot more robotic in his movements, but um, Ramson will be able to play as an actual forward um, who can get around the ground and chop out to give um, the the number one run, you know, five minute spell a quarter or something like that. So that's I, I think that's really exciting. Ramson's definitely one to watch for this year. I actually looked at Ramson last time. First time I've seen him play, apart from a couple of highlights on the telly for Box Hill. But uh, I wouldn't rule him out. I thought for sure he wouldn't play this year, but I wouldn't rule him out potentially a couple of games if he develops nicely at Box Hill. He could they they could have a look at him before the end of the year, especially if they get that stage where they're just trying to look at players um, over those last four weeks of the season. Um, we've got a couple of questions that we will get to them before the end of the spaces, but what we're going to do is a bit of a regular feature now, uh, between now and the start of the season, is Brad's rolling best 23. Now, we had a bit of fun, Danny, last night, didn't we, on the basis of a few tweets and what have you. Brad, on the other end, from his phone, making grand assumptions about how the team was going to look and even what the delistings might be come the end of the season. So it was quite amusing to have Brad's input, even though he didn't see the game. He's only taken in by what he got from social media. But Brad, the floor is yours. This is your rolling best 23 or round one. Tw- pick from yeah, I'm going to pick everyone you prefer. I'm going to go with my round. You can yeah. tweak it every week. I'm going to go with my round one. I'll do it quickly from the backs. Hardwick, blank, Frost. Halfbacks, Impey, Sicily, CJ. The centre line, Amon, uh, Newcomb, and uh, McGuinness. Half forward, Moore, either Meek or Reeves, Fergus Green. Full forward, Bruce, Kaczynski, Wingard. Ruck, Reeves or Meek, uh, Josh Ward. I've got a question mark at the moment for that last spot either Warple or McKenzie. Um, and the interchange bench, Butler, Connor McDonald, um, and then a couple of question marks. Still, that was what I tweeted about last night. Um, I'll just give you guys the list of players that I think there's a couple, there's only two or three spots left, and there's about nine players fighting for those um, last couple of spots. So, I'll get your guys' opinions, but these are the guys I think are fighting for those last couple of spots. Uh, Scrimshaw's another one who I think's in. So there's Warple, Connor Nash, Josh Weddle, Tyler Brockman, Harry Morrison, Emerson Jecker, Lockie Bramble, Cooper Stevens, and Denver Granger uh, Barras. So as I mentioned to you guys before, this is the first time in a long time we've got serious depth, and I think Box Hill this year Prinzi will know more, but if they don't finish in at least the top four, it's a fail because they are going to have a seriously strong side this year. I think the last couple of spots is going to be an interesting one. I don't think both McKenzie and uh, Weddle will play round one. I think uh, McKenzie will probably play. I don't think it's worth putting uh, Weddle as a sub as the 23rd man. I think he either plays or he's got to play four games in Box Hill at the start of the year. So I think that sub role will probably go to someone like a Lockie Bramble or a Connor Nash because um, I think the likes of Connor McDonald and Sam Butler need to be in the starting team. Uh, will Day's the other one who I didn't have in my starting side, but I think he'll get a spot on the bench. I think Finn McGuinness has to play round one and I think he's going to have to tag uh, Merritt because I think uh, Blank's going to obviously have to play on Peter Wright Sam Frost will probably have to play on Jake Stringer, and Sicily's going to have to play on uh, Harry Jones, who is a good young player. Essendon don't really have a lot of good small forwards, so I think we can expose them there with uh, Hardwick and the pace of MP and CJ off the half-back line. Um, but, yeah, that's my makeup. So, as I said, there's a good list of players. There's going to be a lot of unlucky players come round one, but the uh, key ones are, I think, Frost plays in front of 
Granger Barras. Butler will play in front of uh, Brockman. Um, and I think uh, the tough decision for Mitchell is going to be who gets that uh, midfield spot. Does he go with uh, Warple or does he give uh, Cam McKenzie a debut? Des, pretty thoughts? Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm kind of agreeing with Brad. I think that that's first. And DGV, obviously. But, um, yeah, like... Uh, I think I think Warple's got to play though. As much as there's a knock on, his just I, I think just his ability to win the footy and that seasoned AFL body. I, I just I, I can't really yeah I can't really see him being left out of that out of that uh, round one best twenty two. Um, Stevens is another one where I'm I'm just I, I think I think it's either him or Warple. So. Um, but yeah, warps, warps for me, Brad. Sorry about that. Yeah, not sure Stevens will play round one. He's not going to play next week against Geelong because of concussion, which gives him one game against Collingwood to prove his wares for round one. I think they'll be in a position where they can safe, more safely choose others for round one. Stevens would have to have that play an absolute blinder against Collingwood. In the other one was, yeah, like I think Green's a bit of a smoky for round one. I think um, I've got I, I him wasn't... in the side. I've got yeah, Fergus sorry. Green. Oh, yeah, got, no, I've yeah, got, yeah. yeah, I had Fergus Green starting in the side. I think the forward line obviously is going to be a bit smaller. We're going to have more Wingard and Bruce there. Cozzy obviously gets the full forward spot. Reeves or Meek will play down there as well. But I think Fergus Green, I think he's going to be a really good uh, pickup. He might not get a lot of the ball, but if he you know has six or seven kicks and kicks two or three goals a week. You take that. Um, and he's a uh, dead-eye uh, shot for goal. is a great shot for goal. So making Green are going to be really good pickups for us. And I think uh, Green definitely plays the first week. So we will modify this. Bad, you'll know that had six changes in a mad panic after the Geelong game next week. You'll have to watch that closely because an hour or so after it finishes, you'll be picking your next uh, best 23 for round one. So... As we look ahead to the Geelong game, um, Danny, it's a match sim. They call it a match sim, which means things such as I imagine that after a goal, they might have a kick out, so the teams can practice setting up after a you know after a, a kick out rather than always going back to the centre every time. But it means I'm not sure what else it means. It might it might mean they might play ten minutes of uh, boundary throw-ins and that sort of thing without necessarily they might not even keep score. Um, what's your understanding of what a match sim will look like when two AFL teams playing each other? Uh, look, I'm pretty sure it's just it gives them the flexibility to change things up if they want to. Um, so it makes it less formal. And, and, and it just reminds me, and we chatted about this last, last night, Ash, um, you know, where there was six quarters in the Hawthorne-Collingwood match sim game um, down in Moore last year. I think, you know, look out for something like that. Maybe it's extended quarters or maybe it's just they break the last quarter up into two two quarters like they did last night, Ash. So, um, you know, I think it, it gives the coaches a bit more ability to coach on the day uh, and, and work through certain situations they want to work through. But I, I would expect it to be pretty similar just to a normal hit out, but with that flexibility to be able to change things up if they want and need to. Dave uh, Littlejohn, the Box Hill coach, appeared on, uh, was interviewed on the Box Hill Facebook page uh, to talk about how some of his players went in the game last night. He seems to indicate that there will be a AFL game followed by a VFL game against Geelong, and that 16 or so of the Hawthorne players will be playing for Box Hill. So maybe Hawthorne are going to pick a 23, 24, 25 player squad for the four quarters against Geelong. A couple of players might play late in the AFL game, then turn out again in the VFL game. We've certainly seen that happen a few times over the journey at this time of year as well. So we'll wait and see. The good news is, don't take this as, as the, the gospel, but uh, I'm talking to one of the Hawthorne media people last night. They seem to say the game would be streamed. Uh, so we'll be able to watch the game, which starts at 4 o'clock next Thursday, whether that is on KO or the AFL or the Hawthorne or the Geelong websites or apps remains to be seen. But uh, when we see what it is or we find out what it is, uh, we'll, we'll put on our Twitter page as well. So the AFL at some stage will put out an announcement through their uh, email uh, list as to how people can watch the game. But indications are there will be some sort of streaming 
available. Probably missed opportunity for the Hawks to do something yesterday. Uh, we saw something on social media for North Melbourne streaming their intra-club game with uh, Jason Bennett as the commentator. So I think I just think the Hawks are finding the whole move to uh, Latrobe University has been pretty difficult. I've been given the benefit of the doubt here that it's such a massive relocation to set up a whole streaming uh, operation for there. You might know better, Andrew. You might think this is a load of shit and I could have done it easily. But uh, I just think they put a lot of Latrobe <laughs> in the two hard basket. Yeah, look, I think if you want me to fully support the fact that it's too difficult. You've probably come to the wrong person because I... <laughs> oh, Do we know I, anyone that knows how to do this well, stuff? you know, and might have offered and spoken about potentially different things that could be done, but uh, I think that um, there's, there's some fresh staff in there um, and they're probably focusing and concentrating on some core stuff without wanting to go to... Um, you know, th- thinking about things too far forward and be too cutting edge for now. But, um, yeah, I-, I agree. I think it's absolutely a missed opportunity because it's not like it was a closed session. There was media there. Um, there were people tweeting about it. Everybody could find out everything that they needed to. But also there was quite a lot uh, yesterday afternoon in the lead-up of um, messages either to us or direct to the club around... Um, is there a stream? Where can I watch it? So they've lost an opportunity to be able to showcase the um, the unsociable hawks to the faithful. I'll put it down to Matt Dixon, the media guy, getting married. So maybe it was uh, that Matty, Matt, Matt was away and not able to turn his attention to it. Congratulations, Matt, if you are listening, which I know you often do. Uh, a couple of questions before I get to the now world-famous question without notice to the panel. Uh, Smorgan, did Ash just say Brockman signed for two years last year? I didn't, well, I read somewhere that Brock, Brockman's mum was telling people at the footy yesterday that he signed for two years. I don't know. I thought he signed for one year. I thought he'd give it a 12-month extension. Anyway, so don't have a definitive answer there. Also, I find that you can't play Butler and Brockman narrative odd. They are different types of players. I think they are, and I think there are so many spots up for grabs in this side still for round one, that so much is going to play out over these next two games that they both could play in the same team. Well, I do think Brockman, you know, as, as Danny said, it was his first game of footy for 18 months, I, I calculated. He played five minutes of a practice game, or a game, VFL game last year against Essen before smashing his shoulder. So it doesn't really count. So he hasn't played footy for a long time. I think he needs a few weeks for VFL. But I would hope and expect that he put his hand up for AFL selection before too long, he'd be a good player to bring in on Easter Monday against Geelong. Um, no day in Brad starting 18. Is that from last night or other factors, Brad, or did you just forget? Brad? Well, he's trying to unmute. Uh-huh. There we go, my uh, mute button on Froze. No, that was, um, I've, I'm just about to tweet out my team. Day is definitely there. I've put Day actually on starting on a half back line and I've moved Jarman Impey to a spot on the interchange bench. The wing spot's an interesting one. Harry Morrison obviously has a hamstring, so it'd be interesting to see if he gets that spot for round one. Um, but, yeah, I'll be posting my rolling 23 shortly, so keep an eye out, out. Keep an eye out for it. Would love people's feedback because there's obviously going to be a lot of uh, discussion. Uh, as I said, there's some very good players who aren't going to be playing round one. If he played well, I know he said this when I was off air, but if he played very well last night. Yeah, yeah I've, 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 I've got him in the team for round uh, one. Hopefully he's back fully fit because having him and CJ coming off the half-back line could be very good this season. Yeah, uh, Impey had a lot of zip and a lot of dash um, last night. It looked a little bit more like the MP of old. Um, just one thing to consider as well, Brad, is that uh, the starting midfield for the first bounce of last night's game for the gold team was Warple, Newcomb and Day. So um, I'd expect him to be somewhere around that midfield unit and I'd be pretty surprised if uh, we don't see a lot of game time for in through the midfield for Ward and Connor McDonald in this um, and, and Dylan Moore in this uh, this year, so they're ones to keep um, in the forefront of your mind for those midfield positions as well. Uh, observation for Mick Cowan, I think you're talking about Warple's extractor. 
Wolper played that role in the year Tom Mitchell broke his leg. That's right, he did it uh, to near perfection and won a Peter Crimmins medal for his travels. Okay, question without notice, which is something I quite enjoy doing now, to put you on your toes. So my question without notice for this week is, just say Hawthorne want to pick their team on merit this year, um, but Sam Mitchell decides to make an exception for one player. There's one player that he just wants to keep playing in the side because he thinks this player has got a huge upside and just it'll serve no purpose playing at Fox Hill. As a player that might get a bit more of a leeway at selection for poor form this year than any other, and will feature when most of us are calling for his name to be uh, for him to be axed at selection. So I'll go around the panel quickly. Danny, who's the one player who you think just has to play this year, irrespective of how, how he goes on form? I think for me, he may not start at the start of the year, but he'll get an opportunity pretty quickly and will get more leeway than others will be Josh Weddle. And it's just because the upside of him and the way that the club speaks about him, everybody we've spoken to at the club um, just can't stop talking about him in a positive light. So I think he'll be the one that gets the most leeway once he gets into that team. Daz? Well, I think Granger Barras um, is the one that really has to, to play this year. I, I don't see there's much benefit in having him at Box Hill half the season. So, you know, he's, he's got to learn how to play on these on these powerful AFL forwards. He's put on nine kilos, so it's, it's DGB for me. Lovely. I'm with Daz. I was going to say uh, DGB. No more excuses for DGB. His time is now third year in the system. I know Prinzi's gone on, you know, key position players take time, but he needs to, you know, he needs to have an impact. He needs to start showing signs, and he's definitely the one. I know it's going to be hard round one because I think Sam Frost will play in front of him. So when he comes into the side, I don't know because there's no way we can play blank Frost and DGB in the same back line, especially with Sicily and Scrimshaw down there as well. So when he comes into the side, I think he will get a run of games. I know we saw last year Sam wasn't afraid to send him back to Box Hill, but I think he's the future of our back line. We took him a pick six in the draft, so 2023 is the year for DGB. Where is he? Uh, similar line of thinking, but slightly different. I've got no issues with DGB playing for Box Hill. For me, it's James Blank. He hasn't played that much footy. We've uh, basically earmarked him as our number one key defender. And there are probably going to be weeks, potentially even round one, up against Peter Wright, who apparently dominated today where he will get ragdolled um, and I think he's the one that's just got to, regardless of what happens week to week, play every game this season. Good points all and you're all correct in different ways. I reckon the one might be Cam McKenzie. I think once he gets in, uh, Mitchell will give him a really, like, he might not play round one, I think borderline for round one. But once he gets in, it won't be too long. He'll be given every opportunity to work his way into that midfield rotation Find out, where, find out what his strengths are and, and to make it work. And I think once he gets in, he won't uh, he won't be needing directions to Box Hill, City Oval and other such venues too often thereafter. That has been the spaces for this week. Apologies for the technical issues where it took me off. It might have been a better spaces for those few minutes when I was fumbling around trying to get myself back on. Um, in the same vein that we had uh, Peter Burge on the... Uh, podcast last week. Very pleased to confirm Rob McCartney. We will be chatting to Rob McCartney early next week in the lead up to the John game. For those who don't know, he is a general manager of football at Hawthorne. He is the big, big kahuna when it comes to football at the football club. And uh, we're looking forward to sinking our teeth into that chat with him. All things uh, to do with the football side at the footy club. If you've got a question for um, that you'd like us to answer, hit one of us up on Twitter or hit the Hawks Insiders up on Twitter. We'll check it a couple of times before we hit the record button with him. I think we're doing it Monday afternoon. Uh, so get your questions in and we will endeavour to get him to answer it. Um, thank you, everyone, for your support of Hawks Insiders. We're working on a few things to do with the 83 grand final, the start of the, of the second or third golden year, depending on when you thought, thought 
they happened. Um, that's very exciting. We've got some uh, things we can do for that, which will appear in the lead up to round one. Otherwise, we'll just keep the stories coming on the Substack and uh, and more stuff happening on the with podcasts as well. So we thank you very much. Five dollars a month, fifty dollars a year for first class. I won't say the best because there's probably others for others to judge. But for first class Hawthorne online content, we see if I missed anything before we go. No, I think you nailed it. Very good. Had it out an hour for you, Daz. Uh, your number one request every week. So thank you to you, Daz. Oh, cool. Thanks a lot, Ash. Hopefully next week you'll be able to join the spaces from your from your account. I'll think of other Olympic gold medals so I can come on as next week if I can't come on as myself. Thank you, Brad, as always. Thank you all. Thanks. Danny, thank you for running the show so superbly tonight. Glad you got back in one uh, one piece last night of your long drive home. Yeah, thanks, Ash, and thank you uh, to you for always hosting these spaces uh, incredibly well. Yes, thank you, everyone, for your for your support. Uh, have Enjoy the rest of the week and the weekend. So don't forget to join us next Thursday night. We'll be on... Well, I don't know, in a couple of hours after the end of the Hawthorne Geelong game, which is absolutely perfect time to do a space. So watch the game, come with your thoughts, compare them to ours. It should be a really good space next week as we can sink our teeth into some real footy. Uh, talk to everybody really soon. Thanks and goodbye. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.